Hey there, Zlatko here. Welcome to What Is My Brain podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I get the opportunity to chat with fellow founders and business operators about their journey and how they got to where they are now, where they are going and how they're going to get there. I'm planning on bringing guests and touching on topics such as running multiple businesses, executing ideas, and just spitballing about random topics and current events. It's a casual conversation, and that will hopefully bring value to anyone that decides to listen. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in. I'm just kicking it, man. So, uh, yeah, Uh, Cliff, Cliffy, Clifford, all of the above, man. All of the above, depending who you are, (laughs) right? Thank you for being on, man. Dude, thanks for having me. <laughs> like that's such a that was a jarring start. Just these two beards popping up. Eh. No, good. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you know, when I met you and saw that you had a podcast, I was like, bro, we got a podcast. It's gonna be a good time. Well, I felt like our first conversation was already a podcast, so I don't even. Uh, I, I feel like we should have just recorded that and then kind of gone from there. So uh, I really appreciate your. Um, your enthusiasm, your, your energy, dude, as I told you, I text you right afterwards. I'm said, your, your energy is just different. And I really, really appreciate that brother. No, I love that. It's funny too. Cause I, I think, uh, podcasting, even though it's like a new technology, what we get out of podcasting, we've been doing for ages, right? Like if you're at a bus stop and you're just like talking to someone, how often have you ended up talking to a stranger for just like an hour, just cause two people with something to say ended up in the same place with time on their hands. Exactly. Exactly, man. You know? and, uh, I think it's always, it's always interesting. I'm always a big, my girlfriend always says this to me. She's like, you literally talk to everybody. I'm like, I talk to so many strangers, like just saying like, high and and just asking questions and different things like that so it's always uh it's always a nice way to connect with people and then when people are kind of reciprocal the same way back and they're just like hey how you doing what are you up to you know all that stuff it just brings such a great conversation and, and and a different light to everything so um i really appreciate that man i actually have always held kind of like the long belief like i'm very like people centered, whatever, however you want to just like describe what that means to you. Like for me, I've seen that in a variety of different cases. I've seen that like as a comedian in a comedy club, what being people centered looks like is different than in a business where you're providing a service where, and it's even different if you're just sitting on a bus stop. Right. And like, I was at a cafe the other day. I, uh, there's a little cafe in town here where you can just, you know, you walk in and it's everything you would expect from a small town cafe. Oh, Hey Cliff, how's the so-and-so everyone's got their hands up. And I was meeting with a stranger, a guy I never met before, but a mutual said, Hey, you two should connect. This guy's got an interesting story, Cliff. You might want to meet him. Right. And I was like, sure, whatever. I'm uh, a yes. Ending the universe. Right. Let's go. (laughs) So I like, I go to meet this guy he's running a small art space he has uh ptsd from a motorcycle accident and he does like all this really interesting artistic stuff and in the middle of this interaction he pulls out a pile of papers like this old tattered papers and i'm like yo what's this guy (laughs) what is this guy about to give me or whatever i don't know what this is and it was letters from the 1940s from his grandfather to his grandmother when he was at war. 
like Whoa. literal war letters. He started them off by saying like dear peach pie, you know, like, Oh, Bob hope was really on fire last night. I caught him on the telly, you know, literally like that kind of stuff. And he, the stranger is reading me the words of his grandfather to his grandmother out loud and starts reading me all these letters. That's and amazing. Like, That's amazing. I'm just, I'm just saying yes to this in the middle of the black cat. Right. Like, and I'm just like, there's something to me was very human about this. Cause neither of us wanted anything from each other, but it was we just a connection, just, dude. It was just the just it was connection. Just yeah. That's just like, and, and I like the people that are like, I'm connecting you to, I don't know why. I just feel like y'all should be in the same room at the same time and see what happens. And I find that I'm really interesting. Energy is an amazing thing, dude. Energy is an amazing thing. And and honestly, man, uh, when you, uh, I think you commented on my, one of my LinkedIn posts and you posted something and I don't know what it was. It was the way you wrote it, the way I felt your energy through that post. I was like, I need to connect with this person. I just need to get on a call and just be there with yeah. him and, and experience just talking to him. And, and uh, man, I'm so glad uh, you, you did that. And I'm so glad we, we were able to connect. So Again, man, thank you uh, for for bringing that uh, bringing that to the table every time. And honestly, thank you for being this like open minded. Like I started building this business at six months ago, and I'm seeing all these solopreneurs like saying, "Oh, you got to meet with the community, other people that are doing what you do. You got to talk to them, and all this stuff." It's not as easy as they're saying it is. You can't just like slide into someone's DMs. That's really awkward. It feels transactional. It just doesn't feel right. You know, and so like, I don't even remember what we we're talking about, but I do remember you responding with like, yo, this vibe, I like it. And I'm like, yeah, I've always tried to be as authentic as possible. And it's really hard when like, I was raised with a Portuguese mom. And she just was like, she has more energy than me, bro. Right? Like she was just yeah. like, uh, yeah. I I'm from, I'm from Canada. She's in her 60s. Yeah, in her 60s. And she went to Miami this weekend with my brother to catch a Panthers game and a Dolphins game. Dude, yeah. She's going. She's got, like, more energy than a thousand sons, this woman. And so she bestowed it upon me. I got this Portuguese mom energy. That's what I call it. This is Portuguese mom energy. And I just don't know what to do with it. So I'm always, <laughs> you know, and I don't understand, like, the flair of online. I, I do get that some people are very stylized in the way they speak to each other. I just kind of write the way I talk. And I talk, yep. like, the way I engage. And even, like, when I do comedy, you don't always know where the riffing starts and the jokes end and then the story starts. It's sort of all a thing. So what you're talking yep. about, about energy, like, I've almost had that fuel my authenticity and then that fuels the relationships instead of vice versa. Exactly. Where some people go, exactly. that person has a thing I want to be a part of or be on. I'm going to go to the relationship first. It's like, no, you got to start with yourself first. You got to start with yourself first and you got to... Um, and you know, the authenticity always comes through one way or another. It's like, if it, if it's not there, it's not coming through and you can't force it. But when it's there, it doesn't need to be forced and it just happens. And the pe people can feel it right back and forth on that, on that same minute, pretty much. And so, um, yeah, man, I really, really appreciate that. So I want to quickly get into it in terms yeah. of, you know, you and I had that first conversation and, um, you have a very, very interesting uh, sort of journey that you've been able to uh, 
be be on at this point. I would I should say, and you went through, you know comedy for so many years, and then you sort of took this like right turn into remote work at Shopify, um, and then you started you know took another left turn uh, because of uh, unforeseen circumstances and went into you know going into your own business and building that up. So give me a little bit of that rundown or it doesn't need to be a little bit, it could be as long as you want it to be, of what your you know, few years before that were, or however, maybe a decade, I think you said, you've been doing this for, for a long time. Longer, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so take, take, me da- take me down that journey and how you came stumbled upon comedy and how you were able to you know, make a living and, and different things like that and what you had to do to you know, push that forward. Well, it's really interesting that you're using the language left turn and right turn into like almost as if I've been going a different direction. The The funny thing about this is I've always been going the same direction. So like I started stand up when I was 23 years old because I experienced a lot of life up until that point. I previously for, was for perspective. Spe- sorry to interrupt you. For yeah. perspective. May I ask how old you are now? I'm 36 now. Okay, so, okay, so like, yeah, so I've been in the stand-up okay. game itself for about 13 years, right? And it really, what like, what brought me to that place was I actually initially went to school to be a part of the clergy. I went to theology. I wanted wow. to be a, I, I wanted to be a youth pastor, right? And uh, I had all these questions burning in my head, and I knew there was parts of my personality that I wanted to combine. I was like, I want to bring people together. Yes. I want to do it in a way that's positive. Yes, right? Like I started following these things, but then when I went to Bible college, well, even though I wasn't a comedian yet, the comedian inside me got myself expelled because I thought it'd be funny to go streaking, and they didn't. They didn't think it was as funny as I did, and they're like, you get out of here, and I got the boot, and funny enough, I talked my way back in, and that's where I met my first wife. Um, and so like, and we were together for 15 years after that point. So, you know, things that was a, a really unique circumstance off the hop to teach me that like good things happen out of bad things, bad things can inform what you're going to do next. That can be good. So like I was kind of off in my assertion that religion was going to be the path for me because it was more political than I wanted to buy into. Right. And so for, for me, I found comedy. If you think about it, a stand-up comedian and a pastor are sort of the same thing, right? They're standing there. They're telling things to the people that want to hear things, except the pastor is most likely not dropping a dick joke. The comedian's most likely <laughs> dropping too many. You know? So, like, like you, you got, like, it's still not a perfect balance, but you can see how A got me to B, you know? Like, you can see yep, the... Yep. And and it was a new risk. It was a new way of exposing myself to something I didn't know. And I love the learning environment of it. I will say this uh, with confidence. And I'm not trying to be shady, but I do very much believe the education system I was brought up in failed the way I learned. The way yeah. I learned, I that education system doesn't exist. It's not there, you know? So I... What was enamored when I first saw jokes, I actually like uh, the first time I, I ever saw it live was a friend of mine was doing it. He was like, yo, I just signed up for this open mic and he did his like second open mic and he was horrible. And I was like, 
oh my god i could do that like if he can do that, I can do that. <laughs> what are you on about, right? And like, and but another part of me was like, I was looking at everything. I was like, holy shit. Like the immediacy of the feedback system. Like the crowd will tell you if it's funny or if it's not funny. And the amount of tight ropes you have to walk at one time, it just felt like emotionally intelligent education that I would not have received any other way had I said yes to the risk of doing comedy. Right. I'm risking saying the wrong thing, offending people. I could have something recorded that could land me getting fired in the future. Right. There was a lot at risk, just the very act of doing comedy. But that was also for me like it that the comedy club is supposed to be a safe place to be unsafe in, a comfortable place to be uncomfortable in. Like it's sacred ground in that regard, yep. you know? And so. I was looking for a way to fuel my comedy career. I was like, oh, people can work remotely now. So I've actually, when that's why I'm saying it wasn't left or right. It was, oh, if I get this job at Shopify, I can take a day job on the road with me. That's cool. All right. Because I, I was working in group homes. I was, I was wiping butts and taking punches. Right? Wow. Like I did, that, I did that for eight years. When we talk about paying dues. Your bro is paying his dues. Like, I'm literally like, yo, I've wiped an ass. I've done my shit. I know. And, <laughs> and I know what it's like to not only wipe an ass, get punched in the face, but then have to go perform in front of 2,000 people and then bomb because I got punched in the face that day while trying to wipe an ass. And now I know what 2,000 people sound like silent. Suddenly, I've grown some hairs on my chest that day. You know, like yeah yeah because that is the truth of the comedian experience is all comedians navigate this while having a job while having a day job like most of them don't come from a place of privilege so most of them just find a mic and figure it out and or have their hustles and blah 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 i was looking for some stability with a kid so i was like i got a kid i need a day job one i'll take on the road with me because i'm not saying goodbye to comedy no matter what obstacles in my way I'm going to figure out a different way. But what I obviously I couldn't have predicted was a pandemic happening and that I got a pandemic proof job before the pandemic happened. So mm -hmm. I had this weird thing where all of a sudden I watched comedy go away. It disappeared, man. Like it was just people were doing zoom shows and stuff, but it was uncomfortable. Uh, like I like, you know, I've, I was just experiencing what's what it's like to do comedy in the metaverse. And that's way more like a real show. Like you could see the audience in front of you. You can actually grab a mic, you know, even though I end up smashing my cup in front of me or whatever, right. I can still do it. Right. And so I go, I'm at Shopify. I'm going to not be negative about this, not be negative about that I just lost comedy and things aren't going the way that I want them to. And I'm going to use my experience at Shopify to learn as much as I can. Yep. And so like anything, anytime, like, like Toby Luque, he's the CEO of Shopify. I think he's absolutely a brilliant person. I think he's a really interesting systems thinker. And I think he's a really important person to pay attention to in terms of how to think about technology. And I listened to everything this guy had to say because he thinks entirely 100% differently than I do. 
I, there, I, if you put us in the same room, I don't even know if we could hold a conversation with each other. We're that different of human beings, you know? Like Something, something but, tells me that you'd be able to find some common ground with anybody, my man. Oh, I would start off like, did you know I got fired? Where are you in that choice? <laughs> he had nothing to do with it. <laughs> but like, uh, I'm putting the cart before the horse. We'll get there. But like, I, while at Shopify, I was learning everything from him and any, anything that was internal, internal podcasts, internal documentation. If you are working for a company and you are working for builders and especially a founder company, right, where the person's seen the entire story from beginning to now, like, pay attention. That person has more trial and error experience than you have and that you will most likely have in this area. So, like, I was just, like, I went back into student mode. I wanted to learn everything I could. And so even though I started in the mailroom in a support role, I was like, no, I'm going to try this jungle gym. I'm going to try to apply for jobs that typically people with bachelor's and master's degrees would get. I'm going to try to go for these positions. And I started jumping in the jungle gym. I went through nine straight internal rejections. I was trying so hard to be someone I wasn't. Like we were just talking about authenticity. I'm showing up as me right now. You see that. But like, imagine if I showed up in a tie in a collared shirt right now, looking the way I do. And like, you you wouldn't really buy it. And neither did those interviewers, right? Like I was coming in trying to be these, like these educated people, these middle-class people, these people that I've never had any contact with. I was trying to be them, but it wasn't, it wasn't a good recipe because I had a lot to offer as myself. I actually had more to offer as me than I would have being in that same bracket. And so the moment I was myself and I actually like, I told, uh, I'll tell you the joke I told. I told a joke and you always gotta be careful telling jokes in interviews. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love this. They're asking me about a, a time I had to deal with someone who was very difficult. And I told them a story about the first time I got, I got screamed at on a support call. And I was like, it doesn't happen often. Most merchants are super cool and just want to build their businesses. But every once in a while, you get someone that's had a bad day, you know? And this guy's name happened to be Adolf Adolf. So I go to the interviewer. So here I am getting yelled at by the Duran Duran of Hitler's. And I drop that joke, right? Like I'm doing this casually and I just drop... The Duran Duran of Hitler's. I just threw it in there. They crack up. That's the job I get. <laughs> that, I that's, the fir- that's the first interview. I make a Hitler joke, like, especially like looking at all the Kanye shit happening in the media. It's like I I was stepping on some like territory that you should not ever really in a professional environment. But because my intention was clear that I was not being malicious and that I was using it as a, a flowery way to tell a story and to tell it the way I would tell any coworker. I would make that joke to you if we were co-working at each other. So I gave yep. you an idea of who you'd be working with, a guy that might casually drop a somewhat safe Hitler joke. Bringing right? culture like, to the table, man. You're bringing culture to the table. Well, I'm also, for me, I was like uh, the whole idea of being comfortable with the uncomfortable. I would always go, hi, I'm uncomfortable. 
Like I'm literally, yeah. I'm Mr. Uncomfortable, but I, even in standup, I would, I used to be able to get away with things just with my demeanor that other comics mm-hmm. that looked really prim and proper wouldn't be able to get the same kind of buy-in just socially. Right. And so like, these are things that I, I learned through standup of how to ingratiate someone to a more unpopular uh, view or something like that. Like people talk about cancel culture. People talk about words you can and cannot say. And I just, I just see education that hasn't been taught yet. I just see, well, we haven't learned how to have these conversations or we haven't learned how to use these words or how to eliminate words without feeling like it's a threat on your free speech. Right. Like there's a ton of words we don't say anymore. Right. Like even like, like trolley, when do you have to say trolley? Right. We don't take the trolley. We take the bus. You know what I'm saying? Like we eliminate words all the time, but humans have a psychological learning curve. And the, the truth is, is that curve, all of us are on different points. Right. And so like, you might be here, I might be here, blah, blah, blah. And we've seen divisions of, Oh, everyone on this point, they've only gone to school and they're above. And everyone at this point hasn't gone to school and they're below. But then you get a company like Shopify that amalgamates both of us. You have people with master's degrees talking to people who maybe their highest education was being a barista at Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that being a barista at Starbucks wasn't an education. You know what I mean? In fact, a lot of the support at Shopify were people that used to be at Starbucks because of the customer service education on how to speak with people. So mm-hmm. after after the Hitler interview, <laughs> even saying it like that's so bad. Uh, but like, <laughs> come on, you, you can see my intentions not to hurt. Yeah, of course, and, uh, of course. So I was like. Okay, I'm going to keep going for things, right? I got this interview, but it landed me in a, a, such a cushy position that I was like, why did I go through nine interview failures t- for day camp? Like, is this what I right. strove for? Like, I was like, no, I wanted to be a part of a challenge. And that's when I learned about Shopify's fulfillment network, right? The startup within their company that they were building to compete with Amazon. And that mm-hmm. was like, I was like, I know nothing about fulfillment. I know nothing about the supply chain. I'm going for it. Right? Like, because now my curiosity and my grit is getting really, like, practiced. You know? Like, I kept getting back up after every rejection, which is very similar to comedy. You bomb all the time. That's how you learn. And you learn mm-hmm. in five-minute increments. Right? So, like, I just started looking at interviewing as bombing. And I started looking at learning as, like, oh, yeah, we're going to go bomb tonight. I'm going to go fucking fail at this thing and not know how to do it and flop. And then I'll learn and then I'll know, and then I'll change. Right. Like I started seeing the process in which learning happens and not thinking that it was like, and that made it easier for you because you're already accustomed to that process through comedy. Exactly. This is just the same, same structure, just in a different type of environment. I just had to get rid of the social paradigms that that was not accessible for me. I just had to remove that, which I have been abiding by within my life. But now I wasn't. Now I was telling people with like uh, bachelor degrees and masters that I could be in the same meeting with them and have something to offer. Right. Like really weird educational bridging, 
you know, but mm-hmm. it's really important. And something that like comedy has always done, you have all those people in the same room and you got to get them laughing at the same joke, right? The Starbucks exactly. barista and the developer with their masters, right? Like you got to hit both people because they're both humans. How do you connect them? So the things that connect us aren't just aren't intellectual, right? Yeah. It's beyond that connections beyond that. So then I start. then I got four promotions in eight months. So uh, and this I was in on, 2020 or 2021. Uh, the promotions was 2021 to 2022. So okay. like, yeah, like kind of going, no, it'd be, yeah, no, it was all 2021 was the promotions. So like, okay. cause my last position, I got September of 2021 and then I was a uh, part of a layoff on May 4th, Star Wars Day. Okay. Right? The Star May Wars the 4th. Day. I love it. Oh, yeah. I was like, may the 4th be with you. May the 4th go fuck itself. Ah! <laughs> like, I'm emotional. <laughs> like, I, I, there's so much humor to be had that day because, like, I'm going to skip some of the nitty gritty because we don't need those parts. But, like, I will, what I will say about that experience is where I landed was I was creating learning materials for all the logistics teams, for sales, for marketing, for support. I was creating onboarding programs. None of the shit I've ever done, any of it. And I was doing it, and it was awesome. And I just happened to be part of that first wave of layoffs, and now I think we're on, like, wave seven or something, (laughs) right? Like, Not to laugh about it, but we do, and if anyone watches this that has been through a layoff, I want to just remind the adage of comedy, like time plus tragedy equals comedy, right? Like this Mm -hmm. is something I've, I've lived by my whole life. And when I was let go, I immediately was able to see the the comedy in it because I, I've kind of ingratiated myself to this belief, right? Like, so I've always sort of like said that, and I saw that it was really funny. I never thought about how being fired when you work from home would look like that, hey, I might be in my underwear when I get fired, right? right. Like, which, which uh, I'm not going to confirm nor deny, but I was in my underwear when I got fired. <laughs> <laughs> Classic jokes there. But like, <laughs> but, like, so you don't experience that. You don't experience the computer shutting down around you, like the Matrix, and you're just like, what the fuck is happening? Like, all these things, right? It's what empowered me to be like, Oh man, take this with stride. Take everything you learned. Be grateful for it, and just go announce your company, bro. You've been thinking about this for months, right? Mm-hmm. People talk about quiet quitting. I wonder if I had an air of that, right? Like I wonder because I almost feel like my mind was already in the business. You know, mm-hmm. so that's why I was able to announce it because I've already been thinking about it. I've already been thinking about why I believe people need it. So I was like. And it was that bridge between comedy and education that I don't think we can figure it out quite yet because we haven't figured out how to accept someone making a mistake. Like something as simple as that, right? Which in improv, the rule is there are no mistakes when you're in that learning process, right? And that's what I'm saying. It's like a learning environment and stuff, right? And I, uh, I actually made the person who was firing me, I made her laugh because I said to her, I was like, Listen, I don't want to ruffle too many feathers here. I get your decisions made, okay? But I've been at this company for three years. You know how much I love Survivor. 
You couldn't have written my name on a piece of paper and voted me out properly? Do you know how much I would have made my fucking day if you just voted me out of this company? Like, I get it. Like, like it's awkward. But I that would have just warmed my heart. That would have been a way to send me out with love. Right, right, right. Right? right, 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 like, right. Uh, exactly. Like, brought the whole loop around, all the way around. Like, I know that's such a weird concept. How how do you respect someone on the way out, right? We've seen in Moneyball the way Brad Pitt explains it. He's like, you sit him down. Right. All right, well, you've got your stuff signed up. You're going to this place, right? You're going to Cleveland. Yep. Peace out. That's it. That's it. Goodbye, right? Cut him yep. out because at the moment you're let go, it goes from you're a person, you're a number. That's just the transition. And you have yep. to understand that it comes to what we're, you know, it comes to addition and subtraction, right? You were yep. there when things were getting added. And then you just, when subtractions happened, you were a part of that subtraction. Yep. And so everything I learned from comedy that just taught me about getting back up, about why we bomb, about why we explore uncomfortable things and why we push boundaries, I was really like, no, there's got to be a company around this. There's got to be mm -hmm. a business that is like, hey, we're okay being the third party outliers, the because it's not not part of an official structure, right? Getting something built into a learning curriculum, like everything I'm talking about, like the idea of like just making things more uncomfortable and for a learning environment, we should be doing that in classrooms. Like I, yeah. like me, I I think like. It's archaic the to think that all the all the desks should be facing the same way, and then when the bell rings, you go to this. It's like a factory farming model. Exactly, exactly. I hundred percent agree with that. And I was never uh, yeah. so for me. I I've never been part of that that school system. I actually ended up dropping out and all these other things. But like that to me, the the the, the structure of things has always dawned on me in terms of like why does it like everyone learn i'm a visual learner i know a lot of people who can read a book for two hours and get all the information that they need that's not me like i never did for uh middle school high school college not once did i study for absolutely anything not read one book never like never did any of that <laughs> i passed i didn't get a's i didn't get you know but i passed i got out but college i ended up just being because that's when you know you're an adult technically i just ended up saying you know what this is just not for me and i went a completely different way so i completely agree with the whole the structure is not for everybody and i think there is um and, and I, I don't know if you follow somebody like gary v he speaks on this a lot now about education and how he feels that like the best thing that parents can do right now is to let kids decide what they want to do rather than like push them to go to college mm -hmm. and these different things because yes all I the resources and all the inform uh, information that people need in order to survive and make a living and and prosper is it's all in front of us completely for free like you can get a whole education on like youtube now if you really sit down and say hey i'm going to spend x amount of hours doing this actually putting it to work having a whiteboard drawing things like doing it in a different the way that it fits you the way that you feel like yeah. you can learn i think we would be miles ahead <clears throat> to where, than where we are right now well absolutely it's resourcefulness right we haven't taught yeah. resourcefulness so we haven't taught like i have friends that 
don't think to go to YouTube and learn that thing. Like I was exactly. faced with, I was faced with an interesting problem while building this business. I had a development thing I need to do. I like, I'm still in the middle of doing it. And the, I was quoted at $4,000 for, to do it. And then I yeah. asked myself, do I want to spend $4,000 or do I want to spend 40 hours? And to learn it, I'll give myself uh, like like a full work week, see how much I learn from it, right? Like mm -hmm. literally, because when you're an entrepreneur, you can do that. You can actually decide yep. how you learn and when you learn. And sometimes I do have to go into university mode and deep two weeks learn a new thing, right? And yep. so I was like, I'm just going to learn it. And now I've been doing it more broken up, but like I've been just like, literally it's taking me longer, but... I'm I'm now learning how to, you know, make a like a web flow on a landing page, which I've never knew before, and I'm teaching amazing, myself dude. that. Right? It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, and and just to go back on your point, of like, okay, you're, you're familiar with the enneagrams, like the personality uh, testing. Uh, yeah, I did uh, the what is it, thirty six personality or whatever the. Okay, the, so the, sort yeah, of similar I, to I, that. I so the Enneagrams, I think they're split into about eight or something like that. A okay. lot of companies, a lot of companies now are using that as their main personality measure because it's it's pretty good. You can usually go, oh, you're a seven, you're a four, like you know, you can yep. kind of get yep. it. I was I like coming from group homes and coming from comedy, I can tell you I don't have to be a behavioral psychologist to tell you that environment plays a huge part in psychology. I don't 100%. need to go to a university to tell you that. I could tell you that in the comedy room because you see the difference in a well-run club like Absolute Comedy. I'm going to give them a shout-out. Uh, very well-run club in Canada, right? And you go from there to some bar with pool tables at the back and people not there for comedy and like loud dishes clanging. You, you see the difference in the environment, how it impacts comedy. Let's go to group homes. Right, like someone with no furniture to someone with a room that feels like a home, they're gonna yep. have different results, right? So we take these idea of enneagrams. What if a classroom had a physical environment built for enneagrams, built for personality types, right? A big circle in the middle of the room for collaborator types, but then like maybe a tented off area with a more individual, isolated for reading and comfort for that kind of stuff. Like, and like, then when people grew up in the education system, they're like, Oh, you were probably a two when you're in kindergarten. Right. Yeah. But I became much more of a four in about grade five. Right. And yeah. like all of a sudden, just by changing physical environments, right. Oh, we can actually get more out of the individual learner because we're not trying to blanket solve this. Right, exactly. like exactly. Oh, this education is for everyone. We're all learning arithmetic. Here's the thing: I see a reason to learn arithmetic. Clifford doesn't need to learn it, and not right now. So exactly. Clifford needs to go learn something else. Actually, you should be putting Clifford towards leadership things and teaching him those things, and let him lead activities and that kind of stuff. That's mm -hmm. how you teach the Clifford. Right. Exactly. Like, exactly. It's it's kind of it, it it falls into the same thing that's happening. Um, I mean, even in in uh, business or even in the it, it, and I hate politics and government and all that bullshit. 
in all honesty, I'm, I'm so like away from that world, but it's yeah. the same thing that happened with this whole like vaccine thing, right? Like going in and saying, everybody needs to get the vaccine. And it's like, no, dude, there's a lot of people who are healthy out here that are taking care of themselves and that don't need it. Their body's going to be just fine. Yes. There's some people who may need it. Like you can't, you cannot the what you said earlier, like about the blanket statement, the blanket statement, it literally like, you cannot do it for any, almost anything. Like you cannot just throw a blanket and say, this solves everyone's problems right now. No, it doesn't dude. Like it, it never will. Not all. It's a bandaid solution. And not only is it a bandaid solution, band-aids don't really work that well for really big cuts right like you're not going to put a band-aid on a gash and we have a lot of like the pandemic what you're saying that was a gash right like that wasn't a little cut that was a swoon you're getting axed in the face with that one and i want actually i want to lean into this a little bit dude because Talking about the pandemic, talking about the vaccines is uncomfortable for people. So we we do need to talk about how do we have conversations about it, right? And so I look at your. I'm sorry, I'm trying to fix this little thing about here. I'm like, I'm not fixing that, but like, I like it. Um, <laughs> it looked a little falfa sticking up, but like, okay. So I I think what you're saying is correct in terms of you have a blanket s- solution. Right? Like you have a thing to put into a body to protect from a thing, but you have 80 year old fat bodies, 30 year old fit bodies, and you're saying this one thing connects to both, right? You can't say that like the circle is meant to fit in the triangle and the square, it just doesn't work in people's minds. And what happens? We get divided over how we have an opinion on this thing, and then it actually divides us. Exactly. But exactly. I want to go back to when I mentioned that onboarding program that I built, right? I didn't build that alone. I built that with one other person. He was an anti-vaxxer, a very strongly opinionated anti-vaxxer. I got vaxxed twice because I wanted to do jokes and I couldn't do them live unless I was vaxxed. I looked at it. We we weighed our options completely differently. I weighed it as I I put Taco Bell on my face for breakfast. I do horrible things for my health constantly. This is yet another risk, but this risk lets me tell jokes. Exactly. Exactly. That's where, but then he was like feeling really isolated. He couldn't talk about why he was so angry or why he was so upset. So in our conversations and in our building, not only did we talk about this and really connect and become really good friends, we built an incredible onboarding experience and we did it together. An anti-vaxxer and a vaxxer. What? They worked together as humans and did a cool thing, right? Yep. I understand that there was forces that were telling us to be divided, that were telling us that like we're on opposite sides of the fence. I didn't see that at all. I saw that as uh, we were two people that had different reasons for why we're reacting to a thing. You know what I mean? And that that was personal. And uh, yeah, he he taught me a lot just working with him, just of uh, if you're always trying to be right, you're never going to connect to the person you're with. 
you no, know, you like, and, and, and what, and what is, and, and honestly, I, I thought about this a lot. This happened to me around 2015. What's the, what's really the point of being right? Like, what is the point of being right? There's no right. Like it's completely irrelevant if you're right or wrong. It's just all a learning process. I, I think of it, I think of it like people that get a special pass that lets them go in front of the line. Right, like they're like, yeah, oh, I'm right. Bullshit. I'm allowed. Exactly, right. But it's like, I'm right. I'm allowed to do this. I'm right. Blah blah blah. Like I, like, do I think? I don't think a lot of things are right. Actually, I think most things are wrong. Right, and like yeah. a lot of these, a lot of these people that are like right, you know, are going for a certain thing. Right, like, oh, I want to have a comfortable house. And I want it to be like this, and I want my kid to go to this. Kind it's of an school. ego stroke, dude. It's an ego stroke. Well, I, I, it gives you a sense of safety, right? Because you're in the front of the line. People in the back of the line might not get to go on the ride, right? And so, like, it does give you a sense of position, status, right? Front of the line status as opposed to back of the line status. I look at it as, like, if you get so caught up in being right all the time, you're never going to see the beauty in being wrong. Exactly. Look, You'll never like, learn. Because you're going to always the, feel like you have all the answers. But there's true beauty in the mistakes we make. Like, like That's why in improv we say there's no mistakes. Because like you really are giving yourself to the moment. And just going, we are making the choice to accept each other right now. Which is not something people consciously do and say. They don't. We don't enter exactly. meetings and go, we're all going to accept each other no matter what comes out of mouths in this meeting. Right. No, right. no. We 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 play a little game where we dance with our words, where we say things without saying them. Maybe we have a statement, but we say it in the form of a question. Right? Yeah. But like humans are very uh, smart in how we can go in between the lines. So that's actually why I think stand up, comedy, improv can actually teach all the in between the lines uh, education because it exposes you to being uncomfortable and that we can actually get into all those little things. The more everyone in the room understands body language, the more conscientious everyone in the room is of their body language. Exactly. You know, like that, I, it almost sounds like what I'm talking about is too simple. And that's like, I've, I've actually had that criticism where it's like, you're, you're not talking about a brand new technology. You're not talking about something that requires super smart math brain, right? You're literally saying people have to get together, play, and accept each other. And I'm like, uh, yeah. 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 That's, that's 100% what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's literally how people that build these new technologies, they actually build it that way. They learn how to play with each other. They learn how to disagree. And they learn how to accept. Right? Like, they actually, this is how things happen. And we have to go back to who we were primally. Yeah. How do we How do we learn? Right? We watched them fish, and then we, we fished. Right? We watched them make fire, and then we made fire. Are you telling me that those conversations with cavemen were, hey, you know, be real serious here. Fish. Right? You're telling me there was no laughs? There was no yeah. like rumbling around. No, what are you doing with these sticks? Now get over here. What are you talking about? And why did we take the fun out of education? Why did we take that human part of us that retains more information when we're having a good time? Why did we take that away from the way we learn? 
Why is it kindergartners exactly. play with toys, but college kids don't? What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly, dude. No, that's that's dead on. And that's exactly I, I share those same exact sentiments, man. And I, I think it's uh things will need to change. And I think a lot of people will call for that change, especially with all the resources online and everything now where they can do things on their own on in their own way. So um but uh I wanna kinda jump into like what uh, in terms of your your business and everything that you're building talk a little bit more about that and what your um you know where you're at right now and where you're hoping to take this thing because i know last time we talked you had some you know definite like milestones and different things that you're looking yeah. to hit and launch things and all that stuff so i'd love to hear a little bit more about that and and, and get that out there well, th this is such a great time to have this conversation because we are on the eve of a milestone. So yeah. just, to, just to give a super quick recap of like where we, uh, where we were and where we are now. Uh, okay. it started, when I was starting this, this is what was in my head. I know I'm going to do something with comedy and education. I don't know what that looks like. I'll probably have to start off doing live events. So I'm going to do what I know and kind of kick off a bar brand an event bar brand, you know, and just go from there. I just knew I needed to make the thing. It, I, did, I didn't know what it was going to be yet. And then I started experimenting. I started doing some live stuff, started talking to people, reaching out to – like I would read something on the internet and then reach out to the person who wrote that, right? Anything that was like resonating with what I was trying to build. And then I quickly went from, oh, okay, I don't know what I'm doing to I 100% know what I'm doing. So like, and what it was, it was, I would, I had an event partner and they weren't promoting the live events. This is something that anyone that's put on a show or anything like that will tell you that's common with venues. And if all the promotions on you, it's a lot of sweat equity for very little return. And, yeah. uh, and so then I was like, okay, any events I do are going to be purely private. I can make that choice now. But then I was like, no, I'm going all in on the workshops. I'm going all in on the education piece. So even though it's called the other comedy company, we're a learning and development company. That's 100% what we are, right? And But we create workshops that gamify improv games, right? So okay. we take these improv games and we attach them to deeper learning. So tomorrow, why I say we're on the eve of a milestone is I'm filming my demo tomorrow. I've done some oh, R&D nice. experimentation in my living room with friends, all that kind of stuff. And now I actually have a group of eight salespeople from an actual company, right? Wow. Like, and, and we're going to an innovation center. I got a filmmaker from Toronto. He's an old friend. I met him in the woods. And we are like, we are just doing this thing, right? We got four cameras. Uh, we're going to create the demo. We're going to show what the experience is. And what this experience is, is... I, it's very prescriptive. So when I tell people, yeah, to make sense of it, corporate training through comedy, they think, oh, team building, they're going to do comedy. It's going to bring us together. And it's like, no, 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 no. We're actually going to look at what your goals are as a team. And we're going to create games that go to the deeper concepts you need for, uh, for your team. So uh, I can use this demo as an example. Tomorrow, I have a sales team that they make a commission, uh, they share commission. So the top salesperson and the lowest salesperson will make the same payout, right? Okay. 
So, like, what what are the core concepts that you really needed? Like, teach a team. Like, well, we need to learn how to work in unison, right? Like, really be like, how do you connect that? Now, there's a form of game in improvs called group mind. So we'll be doing some okay. group mind games that get everyone into that state. But then we need to get into the conversation of personal responsibility, right? Like, how do you take personal responsibility if someone else is slacking, but you take 100% ownership over your spot? So then we have games that literally have us shifting weight to one another, right? Like wow. that kind of thing. Yeah, we're taking traditional improv games, smashing it up, Frankensteining them, and connecting them to deeper learning. And that's our entire R&D is doing that. Right. And it's completely like so each team that comes with us, we are taking a bunch of time to curate the entire experience. So it's like two hours entirely devoted to their goals, but disguised as comedy. I you love know? it. I love it. And how many of these do you do per team, for example? Well, so I have five learn so each package you can do a package for support, which includes customer support or product support, right? I understand okay. that the idea of what you like, I kind of say everything comes to product support, even customer support, right? Like, but like in my mind, product teams are often neglected and are typically the linchpin, okay. right? And so, like, they're the teams that are like, hey, we need this right now. Okay, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Ah, but there's 19 bugs of this thing that you delivered f four weeks ago, right? That shit, yeah. those teams, right? That they fall into the that support category for us. And then we have um, sales because obviously you need someone to sell the product and then lead, right? You need your leadership team to be a little bit more involved. So what these comedy games, they might be really fun at the sales level but they might be really challenging at the lead level where it's mm -hmm. like, we actually like, let's look at a, a, a lead team that had to lay off 10% of their company, right? How do we reverse engineer mistakes? Would that even be applicable to what your situation was? And like, okay, what kind of games would we need for that? That's where we start getting like smashing it up. But no matter what package it is, you get a choice of one of five streams that are like, where we'll gear it towards what that stream is. So tomorrow they're doing the energy stream. They're a bit of a newer team. So they really just want to get physically moving, get like that team building really being prevalent. And this is like the first pepper. If you're looking, thinking of it like hot sauces, this is the mildest yeah. one, right? You go to the energy stream. Yeah. It's just fun. It's just, you should sweat a little. We should be a little sweaty after tomorrow. You know, and uh, but then it goes up, right? So it goes. Um, uh, what what's the one I just said? Sorry, energy. <laughs> there we go. Energy. energy, creativity, curiosity, confidence, trust. Trust is the hottest peppers, and that right. is not just for teams building trust, but teams that just lost trust with each other, for whatever mm. reason, that need to rebuild trust. Right? Teams that are like literally need to rebuild with each other. We got games for that, but they're very uncomfortable. Right? And, but it goes into like us embracing that uncomfortability and being like, yeah, what does go into rebuilding trust and building games around that? So that way, like, honestly, you could, I, everything I'm saying, I could write down. 
I could write down right. how to rebuild trust, but you're going to remember it and you're going to retain it differently when it's in play, when you're actually forced in the same biological system that like uh, a comedian is put in when they're on stage. Right. So you're immediately going to have your feedback systems going. Your fight and flight yeah. is going to be going. Right. We actually need you in that state to really soak in this education. And so that's a, like, I, all, I would almost say that's why we haven't seen it brought to a science at this point is because the way we learn about trust is very 2D. And you know yeah. what I mean? It's, 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 we have to go deeper. We have to go right. 3D. We have we have to go a little deeper. So, yeah, I know that's a long-winded answer, and everyone is going to be like, you got to sum up your business quicker than that, bro. But uh, this is where we are. We are in this learning stage. I'll figure out how to condense talking about the business. I'm sure I'll learn it as I go. But yeah. tomorrow we got a demo, and then I'm able to actually go to the people that want this product that go, I want it, but what does it look like? I now can answer that question, right? There you and go. You talk, there you go. You talk, and just to go back to uh, Toby from Shopify, he always says the most important thing is the most important thing. Right. He always says that. And uh, this demo is my most important thing. This, If I can't show a customer what this looks like, this will never happen. And everything that I want to accomplish with this company won't happen if I don't do this demo. Right. It's the most important right. thing. Right? I love it. I love it. And and uh, let me ask you really quickly. So when you guys start extending this to, you know, multiple teams and multiple companies and, you know, getting this really the cycle going and, and all that stuff, um, are you building a pretty large team to, like, put this into play at different companies? Or how are you, how are you approaching, like, I guess the, the real word here would be, I don't want to say scaling, but scaling. No, absolutely. I have to. So like complete transparency, like it's me and freelance partners to a degree, right? Like people that can pop in when they can and that kind of thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's been a lot of like, yeah, people I've worked with before just kind of hopping in and help me out with one thing or another or that kind of thing. But the way the team will form, it'll be a core team a core team that will kind of just like a leadership team. And then everything else is actually going to be partner ecosystem. Our entire facilitation pool is going to be okay. entirely a partner ecosystem. And we're going to have tools that we can actually just dispatch. Right. So anyone okay. that comes into our partner ecosystem, you're very familiar with the Shopify partner ecosystem, right? Like same yep. sort of thing. You opt in, you become a partner, you get to be a get work doing this kind of thing. Um, and like, yeah, so then like a session, most of these will actually be virtual because there's still a lot of teams that want to do these virtually. So those we can all dispatch out, right? Yep. Anything that's hybrid or in-person will require more in-depth system building, um, and like uh, most likely community partners in those areas. So like, but one of the leads, like in that lead exec team will be responsible for all of that, right? They'll be responsible for like, okay, we're just going to focus on Ontario right now. And then like, like, cause right now we're just getting interest from Ontario and BC. Okay. So those are the, those are like the two areas I'm getting the most interest in. Those are the two areas I'm focusing in on the moment. Cause those are the two areas I have people on the ground. 
Like I have how, physical. Is that people. how you're getting the word out? Is like people just going out and like sharing this information with companies? Yeah, I've also paid people on Kijiji to sit in my living room and cold call for a day. Uh, okay. <laughs> like yeah, I've literally yeah, yeah. like I've been trying to like I've done all those things to try to figure it out and uh, something I can't talk about publicly at yet. But the next important thing <laughs> after this important yeah. thing is. I have a brand partnership that's really spot on aligned with what I'm trying to build. I fill a gap. I fill a big gap for them. They fill a big gap for me and they come with a a certain set of resources that I just don't have access to certain amount of tools that I don't have access to a publicist, for example, right? Like there's just things I don't have access to that they do. And they're able to use those resources to help elevate this relationship right and like they're able to come in and be like because they do a lot of cool things but they don't do training and they don't do training the way i do training so right right right. they want in on it i want in on what they're up to because i think it's absolutely amazing and we're both mission focused Right. We're both coming. Our mission's the same mission, actually. Like we're trying to create an independent Canadian comedy market. Right. Which doesn't like you have to remember, like, even though my customer is, uh, you know, in, a, in innovation teams, right. Teams at companies that are innovating, that are doing new things. Right. Those are specifically the people that we focused on. Right. Any team that yeah. involved in, a, in an innovation product. And even though those are like who we're doing it for. You have to remember all these facilitators. Let's say you're talking about scale. I get a hundred workshops booked in a week, right? That's a hundred comedians. I get to be comedy Uber and send them out to these gigs, right? And get to send them out to doing them. And I, it, for us, I'm like, not only am I working comedians off stage, I am giving them more than they would typically make, like doing a week at a club, right? And like, or just indie shows and stuff like that. And now they can reinvest that money into their own careers. Cause I do believe standups need to continue being as independent as humanly possible. Cause that, that really is the, the secret sauce to stand up comedy. It must be independent when you're independent, you do what Rogan did and you build a, a large empire and then you get other independence building. If you don't go independent, uh-huh. you do what you do what Stephen Colbert did, and then you sell out your comedic identity for a new comedic identity that's aligned right. with corporate interests, right? right? Like right, right. Exactly. Stephen Colbert doesn't get to say everything he wants to say the way he wants to say it. That you, he doesn't get to because that's not the game that he's playing. Absolutely, right? Absolutely, but Joe Rogan does because he's built it on his own terms. Now, would Stephen Colbert want to be like a Joe Rogan type? Not necessarily. Different strokes for different folks, right? But we are seeing an increase of people wanting to work independently. And with comedians, that really doesn't change. You will have some comedians that are like, yeah, CBC, give me something. Yeah, JFL, give me something, right? Like, I remember a conversation years ago I had with a Canadian comic. Their only goal was to get on JFL and to get on to some of the Canadian programs here. And they were like really jet set on it. Like, oh, I think JFL will like this joke and blah, blah, blah. And I never made comedy. Oh, I really think this person will like this joke. It was always like, I think this is funny. This will get that. You know, that's always been what it has been. What do I think is funny? And I, I remember looking at it being like, oh, I'm never getting on JFL. 
<laughs> like that was the thought that came right. in my head because I was like, oh, right. I'm never going to do, I'm never going to do this if this is what it takes. Right. right. And like, right. I, I was never going to think that way. Of course not. Where I'm just not built like that. Right. So I know that there's some people that are built that way. Now, here's my question. Would she have had the same conversation with me had all the same options been available that are available now? Right. I don't know. Right. If I were to if I were to catch up with them, I, I keep messing up with the genders, and I apologize. I'm trying to like keep it like uh, uh, elusive. It's okay. <laughs> it's all good, you know? dude. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, I make mistakes, yeah. but. <laughs> yes yeah, so, no that's what i'm talking about like i'm like one of those people that's like whenever someone makes a mistake i'm like yeah that's a mistake oh that's a big mistake <laughs> like, right? some, like when i it's look at kanye mistake. i'm like oh no <laughs> <laughs> but like all mistakes you can learn from right and so like even that right but uh, just going back to the point about that conversation you know with those independent tools had the education been there of resourcefulness over um i i call it hand waving like you know in like when we're in school the hand raisers in class oh i know teacher yeah. i know i know so that yeah. taught people to grow up to be hand raisers and you know and this person was like hand waving right like teacher i know yeah. i know and then like the and then that yeah that institution would be like ah you're a good student you get five minutes on our program thank you for the yep. shiny apple right yep. and i i don't i think if resourcefulness is taught to comedians and this is why i'm going to open source every single thing i've done everything i'm yep. doing everything the partners are doing they're down for this we're going to get with the canadian association of stand-up comics we're open sourcing all this education so every Canadian comic, if you want to start a comedy business, if you want to be a comedian and be entrepreneurial, you can. And if you want you to be a one-person business, a solopreneur, you can, right? You can do this. You, there, you can. You don't have to go through these bodies. And what I think will happen, this is not – I don't want to be one of those people. Don't Please don't mistake me for going, oh, I'm creating a thing that will get rid of all the old dogs. I'm not trying to do that right. in the least. Not in the least. Yeah. I I believe the old dogs are the way they are by necessity, right? And exactly. when, when I when I look at Canada, we don't have an independent market because our land size to population ratio is so vastly different. And uh, you live in California, you have more of a population than Canada, right? Okay, right. let's put it let's put it into perspective. So when you put it like that. Of course, people are going to monopolize by necessity. Of course, there's going to be one just for laughs and one yuck yucks and one bell media, right? Like, so you guys, that's the streaming, the live and the festival circuit, right? And the televised. Yep. Yes, uh, but that doesn't mean that there's not other comedy festivals. That doesn't mean that there's other comedy streaming options. That doesn't mean that there's not other independent clubs. It just means that they're significantly smaller with way less resources way, and way less wiggle room to build to that scale, right? So what I Absolutely. look at it is we're looking at an education problem here, right? If we open up the way everyone learns independently throughout Canada – 
we can just start working. Like you and me, we're just on, uh, you know, we're on this app talking to each other and we're on different, we're in different countries. So yep. why can't I do this with people in my own country and create this? Training? And what I think will happen is I think all the old dogs will actually embrace it. We'll find more creative ways to partner. We'll change their models up slightly. And, you know, they'll do the things that they have to do as large corporations. But they're large corporations because they faced adapt or die many times before. And they're yeah. still here. Right? So, like, I come from a punk background. I'm the first person to say fuck authority. I'm the first person to say tear down the law. <laughs> I'm the first person to say it. that. Right? But I'm also as someone building a business, as someone being open up to the nuances of it, I understand that there's room for both. I just think sometimes we can't picture it, right? right. Like we can't see the whole picture. We can't connect everything. Sorry, I, I know I talk a lot. I, and I apologize if <laughs> like, oh, I'm going the wrong way. But can I touch on that point for a second? <laughs> Go a little no, no, no. Keep going. It? Keep going, man. Keep going. Well, just talking about the different points, how like we don't always see the whole picture. There's like a riddle, the utility exercise riddle, where you have three houses and you have to connect it to three utilities and all three houses have to connect to all three utilities. And you do this on 2D paper, right? You're drawing the lines and you ne it never connects. There's always one line out, right? So when you're okay. looking at things in the, that 2D perspective, there's never a way to connect it, right? But then if you made it 3D, right? If you made it as a tube with a hole in the middle, one of those lines goes around the tube through the hole and connects, right? Okay. So you had to look at it differently. You had to change the rules to connect them. If you're just trying to connect it at a 2D level, it's never going to happen. You're not going to do right. it, right? You have to break the rules. And the thing is, is we are taught these 2D systems. Like bureaucracy is a 2D system. I see that as a 2D system uh, because it's never trying to connect all the lines. They're like, we have enough lines connected, but we've seen, we call it red tape, right? We've seen how it gets twisted, right? Yep. And when we look at it differently, it reminds me of Star Trek, Kobayashi Maru. There's the Kobayashi Maru test, which puts the player into a lose-lose situation. Right. And the only way to win in a lose lose situation is to change the rules. Captain Kirk Absolutely. has taught us a lot in our lifetime. That is one of them. Right. And so I'm telling people what these problems we're really angry about and the things that we don't see solutions for is because they're currently 2D, but we will have 3D solutions. We will be able to break the rules and we will be able to do it differently. And yeah. then all those other places that were like, honestly, they're going to find solace in our systems. They're going to find like, oh, we can apply that to us. We can get rid of our red tape. And then anyone that doesn't want to, that's like, oh, we love our bureaucracy. All right, devils. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, all right, we don't want to play with you then. Because <laughs> you're gross. So, like, anyone that's like, more red tape, more red tape. I'm just like, ew, you're ruining every party, even the ones you're not at. You're just yeah, ruining yeah. them. <laughs> you're just a party, party destroyer, and you're not even at the fucking party. 
Well, all the hand raisers are the ones making these policies. They're the ones that yeah. have all these jobs. And, uh, and we want to rage against them. Like, of course. Like, why wouldn't we? But I'm just saying, let's look. Let's just lean back. Look at it. It's not so scary. And right. it's not unsolvable. And it's not completely broken. Like everyone, like I, like I, I, let's use a personal example, right? Like I'm, I'm doing a lot of finger pointing, so let's point it at me. Clifford publicly said, when Donald Trump became the president of the United States, I publicly griped about that, that because my son was born two weeks after he was announced that he was going to be president, and there was something in my head emotionally at that time that didn't want to raise my kid in a Donald Trump world, right? Okay. The thing is, is I've always been raising my kid in a Donald Trump world. It always has been a Donald Trump world. There's always been Donald Trumps. I was just more buying into the narrative that, oh, if this guy has power, doom and gloom is uh, upon us, right? And we saw that doom and gloom when those people wore those Halloween costumes and climbed stairs. they showed us right but like it's really funny because we now we're further back we have hindsight and we're able to look at it and i can tell you like i wish i could go back and say cliff you don't need to fear monger here you don't need to say that just because this guy is president that only doom and gloom is the thing happening now because like and listen a lot of doom and gloom happened uh, you know, I got divorced during that time. I was homeless during that time. I had my own personal doom and gloom. But the thing is, is Donald Trump had nothing to do with my doom nor gloom. Right? Yeah. Like, if anything, he like I almost see it as he was the the first guinea pig in the experiment of comedians in leadership. Now, he's not the best comedian to put in a leadership position. Right? right, but he is. I naturally see him as a bit of a comedian because he he operates like one. He reads the room like one. You know, like he very much is. His intuition is very sharp, and so like, right. I look at that. I look at like I'm like, oh, now imagine one day you get the Barack Obama of comedians, and then that person becomes. You know what I mean? Like they they're just they know how to be a statesman. They're really they know how to speak to people without being divisive. But they also have the comedic intelligence and will to say fuck you where you have to say fuck you, to not give in to group fear, right? Like, um, we see little mistakes, and, like, Donald Trump's not the first one to make that mistake. Biden's made that mistake, too, right? Justin Trudeau has made that mistake. Every Like, the leaders make these mistakes, and this is what I'm saying is the deeper we get into understanding concepts like uh duality you know that like yeah catch-22s exist you know what i mean that sometimes you do run into something without an answer or something with two correct answers that oppose each other like that's a thing like so like just like i we end up dumbing down people who explain these concepts of being like either two kooky dukes or they're not being tangible enough Right? Like, oh, that's all theory and whatnot. It's like, yeah, but if you give me a chance to put my theory into practice, what happens that theory? That's literally what we do with theories. Right? Yeah. So I'm putting my money where my mouth is. 
I'm putting my theory into practice with this company. I'm going to build the research team that will do this. I will build the learning and development team that will do this. I will build it. I'm taking complete responsibility. And like, I'm, I'm so free beyond the point of money, which is actually really cool. I went broke in June and I was like, oh, I got to get a booster juice job or something now. Right? Yeah. No, I figured it out. I ended up working for my therapist four hours a week, helping her with her website and shit. I t- and I'm, now I'm telling everyone, get so mentally healthy that your therapist pays you. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, flip the script on them. Flip the script flip, on them. Flip the script, right? Like, uh, and so, like, but no, that's what I'm saying is like, I just started telling myself, no, there's a way forward. And then uh, two weeks ago, even remember, I just told you my demo's not even made yet. Two weeks ago, I'm like, oh, I'm done. There's no way I'm ever going to be able to do this. No one is ever going to fund this company. No one is ever going to entertain this, yada, yada. Even though I have a, my demo client already looking at other streams, curious what else they can do and trying to book for 2023. Even though I have all these people reaching out after the Business Insider article, being like, I want to learn more about this, right? Yeah. I, and then I was like, well, Clifford, if you have people that are interested in this already, well, what have you not done? Let's just make a list of sales magnets and assets you have not created. It was like 40. Like 40 yeah. things that I could do to improve my business. And when I say I'm improving my business, I'm saying I'm improving visibility, improving the ability to speak to the press, right? Like all like improving the product itself, like all that kind of thing, right? And like, I, like that's all those things I haven't done yet. So how can I say it's over? How can I say uh, this thing was just a failed business? I yeah, don't because every, I, a lot of people a lot of people look at it. Uh, they want that immediate growth and that immediate satisfaction and all that stuff. But when you haven't tapped into a lot of those other pieces, then you haven't actually fully uh, given your business the breathing room that it really needs. Especially if you're building for the long term, right? I want exactly. to build for the long term. I mentioned to you that a big motivator for me even getting a day job on the road was when my status changed to being a father, right? Yep. And, and so, like, for me, I do want to be able to pass something down to my son. They, like, I've always believed in the individuality of life. And, like, I was like that we live our, like, no matter how much I can explain to you my stories, you just never lived through them. And I never lived right. through yours. Right. I'll never experience what it's like having your clearly superior beard. I will never know. <laughs> right. But you do. And you get to have that life all the time. Right. And so that individual experience is so precious. Like I even like when I was naming my son, I gave him a middle name that could easily be his last name. So he just disassociate himself from me and from our family. I, I hate those kind of ties. Like so his name is Henry Bronson Myers. But he can easily just be Henry Bronson. Sounds like an yeah. author, a street fighter, whatever you want to be, bro. Go be Henry Bronson. You know what I mean? How like, old is he now? He's turning six on the 27th. And like, I, I'm enamored by him because like he, you know, sometimes he's off sick and sometimes he's facing weird things at school or emotions about the divorce, like all these real things that are making a human. And I'm watching him 
also being told that he's behind on school things, right? And I find that really interesting because as I'm doing adult education in a corporate training sense, I'm very much paying attention to my son. I'm paying very close attention to how he learns what he does. And you see where I, this is, look, this is where I'm building a business. It's a corner of a room. This is not glamorous. I like, you know, I don't even get a garage like Steve jobs. That bro got a garage. Like I don't get a garage. So (laughs) I'm in a corner. Okay. My son, I like, so you see right here, I have a desk. You, You right underneath here. I built a fort for him so he could go underneath and work while I'm working and he'll have his papers and he'll do his drawings and he'll do the things that he wants to learn about on his tablet. And sometimes he'll come out and like come and sit by me and ask me what I'm doing. And I'll explain it to him just like the way I explained to you. If you asked me what I was doing and I'm just, I'm just yes. Ending his own curiosity when he's in those moments with me. Right. And like that kind of shit, I'm just saying like, we do it with weight loss, right? Oh, if I get a gym membership, I'll lose the weight. No, you can just sweat where you are. You can stand up and sweat right now. Like I, you go on my Instagram, it's just me posting my workout times, right? Because I want the public accountability that I'm doing this. And you just see me sweating in my living room. Same thing with the business. I'm not waiting for the elements to be correct for me. I'm doing it with what I have. Exactly. There's exactly. nothing That's else. Crucial. Well, That's I, crucial, and I think man. it's hard. To, how do you teach that? Like you've, you've done enough, you've done way more businesses than I've have. You've been in it way longer than I have, right? Like how do you teach the, you work with what you have, like just that absolute resourcefulness. That's honestly, uh, like I'd say 80 to 90% of the the stuff, the content, the stuff from my experience that I'm sharing with people on Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever else it is, uh, my podcast, my newsletter, like wherever those outlets for me are, um, that's always been my thing because I built my business in my parents' house. I built my other business in a 600 square foot apartment in the middle of Koreatown, LA. Like (laughs) I didn't have an office. I never cared to have an office. I just said, I have a laptop and I have an internet connection. And, and that's my, that's all I need. That's absolutely all I need. And well, it's funny. I think crucial for people to understand is like you, I, 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 I look at things this way. Anything that you're saying that you don't have that you need in order to start 90%, 95% of those things are just excuses to never start. They're just excuses to simply just say, Hey, Oh, I don't have the perfect tool. I don't have this. You have a tool and you make that tool work for you. However you need it to work. And, and this is where I would come in and say, we have to recognize the learning curve of the person who doesn't understand that yet, that they can do it where they are. Right. Cause like a lot of times yep. you're, you're, you have to unlearn something their family has taught them or their their local community has taught them right like like and that's a reward system that they're not used to they're not used to the idea of that right and like like uh, this is a good example you just said it like all you had was your computer well i knew i would need a computer to do this 
And yeah. so I was looking at like all my expenses and I was like, yo, I'm, I'm in the hole. I'm barely scraping by on rent and shit like that. And uh-huh. I have just enough room on my credit card for a computer. And I'm like, do I buy the computer and just go for it? Even though it puts me like over the line on my credit card, maybe cause me more problems in the present. Right. Or do I yeah. wait? And I was like, well, if I wait, I'll probably just spend the same amount of money I would have spent on this, but most likely on uh, burritos and shit. <laughs> right, right, right. Like right. just little purchases would have been the same amount eventually. So I said, fuck it. I'm getting the computer today. I'm going to figure this out tomorrow. Right. Yep. And then I just figured out how to put 200 down, how to put this down or whatever. But I said yes to the most important thing that I needed for the business, which was the computer. Like exactly. I can lose my place today and I can, if I still got this computer, I still got my business. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, and That's like, it. That's it. And, and then I can figure it out from there. And so it's almost like, I, I, I really want to speak more towards like people that are like, that have been raised really poor that really want to do it. And are just like, I have absolutely no resources like they just feel really, really scarce, you know, like my, my message is that's a lie. Like my message is you've been lied to and that lie will keep you there if you choose to continue believing it. But here's the thing. I've exactly. now told you, it's a, I've now told you it's a lie, right? I told you. So it's up to you now, whether or not you're going to buy the bullshit or not buy the bullshit. And some lies are, are harder than other, right? Like when you're talking about like the blanket response for the mm-hmm. uh, pandemic, well, we can look at that as a lie, right? Mm-hmm. Like there was a lie because one thing doesn't solve all things. Exactly. <laughs> and, exactly. And so, and like, but people are really uncomfortable if you call it a lie. And here's the yep. thing. I'm not, I'm not saying people were actively lying. I could actually assume positive intent and think that, they were trying to do the best for the most. I could honestly, mm-hmm. maybe I could, I'll go and say that even if I don't believe it, I'll say it. Right. Cause it hurt. It cost me nothing to say that, you know, but like I look at it though. I'm like, no, it turned out to be a lie and it turned out to at least be not true. And we have to accept that and work in reality and work with truth and work with what we know now within our means and go, you know, and exactly. like, we're, and we're just so connected. We can talk to each other. And this conversation is so important because who the fuck knows who's going to find it? It's not about you or me getting clout out of this thing. It's literally someone's going to stumble upon and be like, not only did Clifford not know what the fuck he was doing, but he was so impassioned, so informed. He got up every single day, kept himself accountable, and was fucking going for it. But a guy like Zlatko saw that energy, recognized it, and just wanted to talk and learn from him too. And like, and that's, that's what I'm saying is we're both doing the thing. We're just both at different points. That's it. It's it. And I always, my, my, and, and I'll cl- kind of close it out with this. And I always say, um, this used to be my big thing when I was uh, with all my drinking buddies. I always used to say, I'm not above you. I'm not below you. I'm always right next to you. That was always yeah. my thing. See, well, it's funny you say that because, like, something that my uh, my ex-wife always says to my son, like, so she's the mother of my child, right? And she always says, don't forget mom's always in your heart. 
she always says that she she's a very yeah. emotional italian woman mama's in your heart right yeah. uh where me i'm like i got your back like i'm yeah. like i'm not I, like, I, it's a little different right i'm like i'm directly behind you this is where i was yeah. saying as so you with your drinking buddies you're a peer me as a teacher i'm behind you I'm behind yeah. you. Listen, you got this, but you're leading the way. But don't, if you fall back, oh, I'm going to catch you. I got right, you. Right. But I, I'm behind. Right. I got your back. A little different, right? But I think the words we say and choose matter. And so I think it's really important to be beside us. And it's important, like, when you're in a teacher mode, to be behind. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, man, this was a, this was an absolute pleasure. I can't believe it's already been an hour and 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 a half almost. So uh, yeah, but, like no, I, I was really... like, when you were like, yeah, we're wrapping it up here. I'm like, don't we have four more hours of this? Like, I can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do it. We'll have to do another episode. I love it, man. No, thank you for sharing all that, and thank you for sharing all your wisdom, your insight, your your journey, and what you've been through, and. Um, I think there's a lot to take away from here for people to understand that uh, first and foremost, you don't need all these crazy things to get started. I think you just need a little bit of ambition, a little bit of curiosity and uh, and a whole lot of, uh, 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 well, I would say a whole lot of curiosity, actually. That's probably the biggest well, I would piece say, to me with everything that it is. Yeah, that I you, need, you need to be like, you need to be overly curious, but I would say the thing that has to be 100% is your commitment. You cannot be 99.9. .9. You can you cannot be 99.9 .9 and if you're in you're in. Yeah. And like exactly. you, and you and then you got to commit to it. I've given myself a 20 year road. So I tell people yeah. if this thing ain't built by the time I'm 56, someone tap me out, pull me out of the ring. <laughs> right. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Cl Cliff, thank, thank you. you so much man for being on here. Um, and, uh, I hope that you, uh, that, I hope that everything goes well with your company. I, I love what you're doing. I love how you're reframing things. And, uh, um, it, 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 I'm rooting for you, man. As always, I'm rooting for you, brother. I appreciate that, dude. And let, let me know how I can pass this around to you. I want other people to hear this conversation. I think it's important for anyone building to hear it. So I'm, I, I really appreciate you giving me the time to just talk about it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Anytime, brother. Cheers. All right. Well, you made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning into What Is My Brain podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you got some value out of it. Make sure you hit the subscribe button or the follow button to get notified when new episodes are live. I'm out. Thank you.